Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good lad. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. It's Owen, Ken and Simon here with the second of your Monday Second Captain's Pods. Murph has taken a well-deserved day off after delivering easily the most cogent analysis of his podcasting career to date on last Thursday's episode. Hey, Ken. Hey, Si. Hey, Owen. Hey, well-deserved. Owen, how are you? Uh, well, just based purely on the fact that he finally yeah, got something just right. Just one thing. Yep, yeah, okay. yeah. The Republic of Ireland play the world's number one ranked USA team in back-to-back matches next Saturday and the following Tuesday. We're only a few months away from the World Cup itself. So when our captain, Katie McCabe, left the Emirates last Wednesday night in a moon boot and on crutches following a crunching tackle in the closing stages of Arsenal's Champions League win against Bayern Munich, we could all be forgiven for fearing the worst. All of us, that is, except Kieran. In the closing stages. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's what's giving me hope here. Because uh, when I rewatched the clip, I did see up in the top left-hand corner of the screen, 88 minutes gone. And so <laughs> there is a chance that this is just shithousery. no, no. no. No, well, why, would she, why would she be wearing the boot afterwards then? <laughs> because they really commit to the shithousery. This no. is top-class shithousing. The Bayern Munich players are over there, well, listen, it's a fair cop, you know? She really was injured. Did he, like, you guys are playing checkers. Katie McCabe is playing chess. Yeah, I see what you're saying here. Yeah. So I you remain hopeful. Idiot. I think you might just have lost your mind. Our tone was incredulous there, Ken, let's be honest. Why would she be wearing the boot afterwards then? <laughs> but she was, in fact... Named in Vera Pau's squad for the USA Games the following day. And yesterday in a crucial match against Manchester City in the middle of a four-way title race, she not only started, but scored an absolute pinger of a goal to win it for Arsenal. So she's all right. Our fears are misplaced. Murph was right. Would you like to take this opportunity to publicly apologise for this? Yeah, I, um, <clears throat> I, I do. I apologise. He, he got it right again. What? I think that was you saying you've lost your mind in with uh, maybe maybe a sound effect was added <laughs> in post production. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm uh, he. You happy know, to put I'm your hand the moon boot really through. Happy, I'm delighted. The I'm moon boot, the crutches. This was really elaborate. Obviously, Katie had to keep you know, keep up the pretense of the injury on her post match interview on Arsenal TV. 
Katie, 72 hours ago, we saw you in a moon boot in crutches. Yeah. First thing off, are you actually made of steel? <laughs> no, it's to be fair, like, obviously I'm, I'm happy this guy came back uh, clear. And then obviously, yeah, fantastic medical team kind of done a, a, quick, a quick turnaround. And I think I've been icing my foot for the last four days, so it was worth it in the end. Even her manager, Jonas Eideval, went along with it. On Wednesday, she was in the boot. She told me straight away, I am playing on Sunday. Of course, you don't believe that. Then she went for a scan. It looked better than we thought. Me and her spoke a bit and she said, I'm here. We didn't even have her out kicking the ball on Saturday, kicking long balls on Saturday just to save her foot. Then she plays 80 minutes after the yellow card, which was extremely harsh. And she tops it off with that goal. Uh, this period is the best we've seen Katie McCabe since I've been a coach here. She has been a tremendous player during these months. Well, it is easier to play well when you're in the team, Jonas. So don't go dropping her again like you did earlier in the season, all right? Yeah. You know, he had his reasons. No, but I'm glad I've, you know, I've, I've obviously had my own moon boot issues in recent times. Yeah, that was sort of a false injury as well, wasn't it? Sorry, I'm just drinking a bit of cup of tea here. It's taking a pause. <laughs> well, I mean, it was as in you were in a moon boot and we all thought, we all felt very sorry for you. We thought we mightn't see you for months and then it all seemed to be kind of all right. No, no, I mean, it wasn't a false injury, as you say. It was a real injury, but it wasn't as serious as I had originally been led to believe by the original x-ray, which showed a fracture. But of course, the fracture was 30 two years old so they're like well you know you've kind of been uh, you're not you're a clumsy man and this is part of the reason why Uh, do you really want us to fix that we could get in there we could we could drill a a pin in in there and fix that together but like it's not really worth it is it I mean the stadia (laughs) this is pretty much what the doctor said to me and I was kind of like all right, well I suppose I'll just clump around on this for the rest of my life hopefully, hopefully many many years however long it is so hopefully Katie's and Cape's feet are in slightly better shape no I think they are yeah they can certainly kick a football ball uh, with a lot a lot more precision as we saw again at the weekend we've had a phenomenal reaction to a football la- ball a football <laughs> ball yeah We've had a Pick it up on all mistakes from now on. Yeah, yeah, that's the rule. That's the way I'm to do it. Here. We've had a phenomenal reaction to last Friday's pod when we spoke to the parents of Red Oak Murphy, the Sligo footballer who died by suicide around this time last year. Redmond and Geraldine spoke incredibly movingly about their son and about how they want as many people as possible to hear their story in the hope of potentially helping others. We did put that episode out free to everyone at the time, so in case you missed it, you can go back and listen, whether you're a member or a non-member. We have got a GA pod tomorrow, coming up with Paul Flynn and Michael Murphy since the league finals and ahead of the start of the championship next weekend. That one is for World Service members. Our guest today is Leinster back rower Jack Conan, Simon, who played a major part. In Saturday's Champions Cup win against Ulster, a rain-soaked, sold out of Viva Stadium. Donald Lennon did the did the needful by awarding him the Player of the Match award. It was between himself and another back rower, Ryan Baird. <laughs> Jack Conan got the nod then. So just it was nice of Donald to pick this specific back rower just around the time we were planning to talk to him. Well, that's our new rule as well, is we only speak to Man of the Match award yeah. winners from now on. Therefore, only ever back rowers. But the last yeah. time we had him on was when he... I'll ask you about the game itself in a minute, but the last time we had Jack Conan on was when he was picked on the Lions tour to New Zealand yes. which was seen as a bit of a surprise inclusion at the time he ended up starting all three tests mm. and really making his name internationally I guess making his yeah. name on that tour the, the strength that is so insane in the back row that he didn't he's not an automatic starter in the Six Nations but still played a major part in various ways including the one against Murray at Murrayfield yeah. when he came in early for Caelan Doris so and a, that was a Grand at, Slam win is on the, on the board now in the last few weeks yeah him. and that was at the point where Doris was accurately being described as maybe the best back rower in the whole world on form at that time and then Conan comes in early as you say in that game and there wasn't a blip it was he was he was brilliant <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then when he came on against England 
at a time when pretty much all the starters were struggling. Uh, Conan came on and, and was almost man of the match in the time that he came on as sub. And there was obviously that beautiful offload for the Hansen try yes. in the corner. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and doing the basics really well. But it's a funny one in that you can go from being the line starting number eight, correctly so, to then even your place being on the subs bench for Ireland being under question. That's the level of talent. And he he finally fought off CJ Standard for the number eight position and then Doris appears came on along. the scene. Yeah, but that's yeah, yeah. that's going to be the case for any back rower's career. Even suddenly, like, Doris had a bit of a bad game and, and you know, Conan's playing great. Not that Doris is going to lose his place, but that's how competitive it is. We'll talk to him today. But what, what, the match itself was... I'd say kind of grim if you support any of the other Irish provinces mm. that, that isn't Leinster. In yeah. that, uh, how many times we say it? Oh, Leinster probably not at their best. Nobody's going to be at their best in those conditions yeah. in terms of free-flown rugby. And yet, oh, they, they, they handled Ulster with relative ease, I thought, in the second half. Yeah, and Ulster didn't play badly and didn't do anything particularly wrong and were quite accurate when they needed to score their tries when they got their chances. Uh, Stockdale played pretty well. And yet there was 15 points between the teams, three mm-hmm. scores. And that's in the rain when generally things get narrowed a little bit on the scoreboard. And McFarlane was kind of realistic afterwards, but also a bit resigned as in, I can't do much about the demographics. And he's right. But at the same time, there's still very simple things. Like, for example, I mean, it's so basic, but they knew that Lowry doesn't have the same length of kick as, say, James Lowe does. So literally just kicking long to Larry, who even when he does, he tends not to kick anyway. His instinct is to run. And that means, so say Baird, for example, the time he hunted him down, like incredible speed, agility, technique, everything to hunt down Larry, who's really hard to nail in any conditions. But it meant that Baird didn't have to think about what other options Larry was going to take because he's like, I can afford to just mm. not worry about blocking a kick, not worry about covering the rest of the defence. Lowry's probably going to run this back. So it takes that, it takes brilliant speed and all the rest to do it, but also Baird's mind is clear there. He knows he's got one task. Oh, sorry, so are you and saying so, Ulster, but, but how repeatedly, avoid that? <coughs> well, repeatedly. The, well, I guess getting more options in behind Larry, encouraging Larry to kick more, like he ran too much. It just wasn't on. You weren't going to get through more than three or four phases. So even if he did beat the first man, which he rarely did, Ulster were never going to go through many more phases and get a better option to Mm. kick. Um, And even if you're losing, say, 10 yards every time to low kicking down to you, it's still a better option than what Larry was taking. There's things like Balakoon, who (coughs) didn't get on the ball much, and he just looks so brilliant when he gets on the ball. You wonder how the hell yeah. Ulster aren't figuring more ways to get him on it. Now, it wasn't a day for the backs. I think Stockdale was really the only one of the outside backs on either team that looked particularly good. But Leinster's basics are so... Mild. Like, their their brilliant play is even further ahead of Ulster, but their basic play, they're just their line it in their mall and their tackling and defence and their kicking game. Gibson Park's kicking game was brilliant as well. It's just so far ahead that it just didn't feel like a contest at the end. Speaking of that sort of basic play, mm. some of that let Munster down in South Africa. Oh, that was a, that was a bit of a shocker of a to concede fifty a, points in a yeah. Cup or a Champions Cup knockout game. Yeah, and you know after the previous game, what, what they've conceded like forty three points on average in their last three games to Glasgow, the Scarlets, and the Sharks. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, it's it? wild, and and you know. 
the early in the season they were awful obviously and it was a change of regime and they they changed the training patterns and all that sort of stuff but now like this is say the most important 10 minutes of their season I would say was the 10 minutes after half time when they were within three points of the Sharks it's a knockout game this is a competition they love so mm. this is if you're to zone in on your season this 10 minutes after half time they looked a bit bedraggled coming out anyway <laughs> it was the 29 degrees heat but they just put in I think the worst 10 minutes of the season against a good team besides those first three games when they, they were getting things together. Um, like twice Kilcoyne ran and this was like something from 10 years ago. He's almost like a rugby league player who doesn't have to worry about the rook or the recycle. Mm-hmm. Just ran headlong at the Sharks defence. Made a few yards as he always does because he's quite explosive. No support anywhere near him. Re- really easy. He goes straight to ground because he's running so fast and so kind of recklessly or not thinking about the recycle yeah. that he goes straight to ground. It's such an easy post poach for the likes of Khaleesi and these Sharks have some great players. Um, just turnovers waiting to happen. And from those moments, then the Sharks kicked the corner and they've one of the best malls in the... In the they've scored two mall tries. But this is... Do. this You know, with the South African teams in there, this is a worry for... Monster and it'll throw us yeah. into that as well. Like, yeah. when do you see them possibly winning a Champions Cup in the next few years? Given the added competition, mm. not just added competition, teams that, especially when you're going away, like mm. an away match in Durban in that sort of heat yeah. against a team that good, that's the kind of thing you're going to have to navigate now, yeah. as well as trying to somehow get the better of Leinster and the English and French teams. It seems like a tall order. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it would take some sort of seismic change in the way Irish rugby is structured. Uh, almost like a draft system or something, I think, to drag Munster up to the level that they could win this competition mm-hmm. again. Because don't forget, the Sharks are eighth in the URC table. They weren't in particularly good form. They've sensational rugby players like Mapimpi and Lucanio Am and all these guys, but um, they aren't particularly well coached. You can see how sort of fragile and brittle they are. Like when Munster did actually get their attack going, and Munster's attack is better, but when they did get it going, there was massive holes. There was one mall defence that was a complete joke for the Sharks. So Munster kind of knew if you could get at the Sharks and be in a tight game, then you had a pretty good chance of winning it because they look so brittle. Yeah. But they just never got even close to that. And um, I don't know, this is more worrying even than the early season stuff. Okay, it's all good news for Leinster though. We can hear now from Jack Conan. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Uh, Owen, I like you and I like your style. The second captain. We've got that bit better quality. It's compliments any place, anywhere, all over the world. Full of protein. It's information, fluid information. I don't know what you're talking about. 
to do while you're cleaning the house, brushing your teeth, taking a bath. Trying to be critical is going to be impossible. Like, uh, like quite a lot of you listening, I would imagine Jack Conan is still drying off after Saturday's game at the Aviva. Jack, great to chat to you again. Thanks for having me, lads. Good to be here. Those are pr- pretty intense conditions. What was it like to play in on Saturday? Pretty miserable, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. um, just obviously, you, you want a good day. You want, you want a full house uh, in the Aviva. You want the perfect conditions to play the brand of rugby that that, that Lancer are known for and um that we're that we're so good at. So um a little bit disappointing with the rain. Uh, I think we like we coughed up a lot of chances. Um we started slowly and stuff. So it was a little bit frustrating on, on our end, but a good way to win regardless against a, a good side that are, are highly motivated. Does the coaching when the weather's that bad, does the coaching become less relevant in some ways and that you just have to get your basics right and react to what's happening because there's going to be spill balls and knock-ons and all the rest? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, when you go in at half-time, the messages, there can't be too many of them because you can only play kind of a certain style of rugby, you know. There's obviously different areas they focus on more and kind of your kicker pressure, making sure that they don't have easy um, easy outlets and easy uh, way to kick into your own half. And I think that's something we did really well especially in the latter stages of the half when, when also we're changing, chasing the game. We didn't give them easy opportunities to just put us back in our own 22 or, or back in our own half. And When they're chasing the scoreline, if you can keep it down there inside their 10, inside their 22, it's near on impossible to, to go to length without obviously giving them easy leg-ups if you're giving away indiscipline, stuff that we did in the first kind of five to 10 minutes, um, which resulted in, in them obviously going up in the, in the first few minutes of the game. So, it's about just keeping it tighter, securing ball, possession, rugby, playing more kind of safer rugby, but a lot more pragmatic than we would normally choose to play if we had uh, better conditions. It's funny, Jack. I mean, you went through, obviously, and you're unbeaten, and yet you sound kind of disappointed that you couldn't put on a show. Yeah, I think we speak a lot about putting on uh, a performance and being putting out the best performance of a competition every game we play. So... You know, it doesn't always come to fruition. Things, lads, can off, off days, the weather, you know, as we're talking about, put, plays a massive factor. So it's a little bit disappointing because you, you build yourself up all week to, to play a certain brand, to go out there and put it all together and be at your absolute best. And then it's just negated by the style of rugby that you have to play. In saying that, we're obviously really happy with, with how we went in some degree playing that style of rugby against, you know, also probably more used to playing that kind of pragmatic style kick meters, kick receipts, things like that. Um, things that we probably wouldn't measure as much in comparison to other teams. Lesser are similar. It's good. It's great prep for us for this week because Lesser and Ulster are very similar animals um, in, in that regard. So um, it's a, it, was a, it was a good test for us. I think it was a really good test for the forward pack. And, and overall, we were pretty happy, obviously, to concede that try at the end from the mall was disappointing on our, on our behalf because we knew also, obviously, have a very good attacking mall, and, and and we let them get in there at the end. So, and just small bits of pressure after that. You know, Ross kicks off from the kickoff. We send it long, just building momentum. Luckily, well, not luckily, the, the work from the lads up front to tight five and that scrum um, straight after that was fantastic. We turned the ball back over, but um, you know, we can't afford this weekend to give Leicester those kind of opportunities because we know they'll be right back down their own twenty-two. On a personal level, Jack, how did you manage the transition back from the Six Nations, from the Grand Slam, we should say, to this huge game? Because it's mad that you just have to kind of go straight back from one to the other. Yeah, well, we were back in uh, the week the week previously um, on the Wednesday and Thursday, and that nearly broke me after the the, the few days of <laughs> celebrating. Um, 
you know, after the third day on the Monday when we went out, uh, honestly, I didn't. I don't think it was right till about the Saturday morning to Sunday morning. I was still <laughs> shook. At my age, three days in the trough like that would uh, <laughs> would test any man. So I was, you know, now to be honest, come back in the Wednesday, kept you a bit more honest. You know, there was no chats of. She's when anyone go for a pint on the Tuesday and like that. So, uh, lads, lads were well behaved in that regard. But it was, um, it was, it was good to get back in. But it was also physically you weren't you weren't exactly one hundred percent. We were looked after well, and the, the coaches um, looked after us, and we got back into the structure, the systems, the the calling sequences, and things like that. So um, it was good. Look, coming back to play a massive game in the Viva, it, it's easy. You know, you're excited. Um, you're back with all your mates, all the lads. Some lads you haven't seen in a while. There's a there's an energy there, you know. It's, it's really palpable in these European weeks that lads have that kind of bit between their teeth where they're excited to get going again and and um, put on a good show. And um, you know, it's great. European rugby for Lancer is is everything. So it was um, it was a really exciting week build up. Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about that from the point of view of the Leinster coaches that maybe Ireland winning the Grand Slam has its minus points as well because of those few days afterwards. Do you have to? I mean, do you have to get the okay from the Leinster coaches as well to to, to celebrate for a few days? Uh, we, 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 you know, Leo was uh, he teed us up weeks before, being like, "Look, lads, if you're involved in the last kind of two odd games and you've played, you know, a certain amount of minutes and all this stuff, yeah, uh, you won't be into the Wednesday." So that was kind okay. of. We had that already in the back of the mind. We'd already that that teed up, so there wasn't, you know, you're not worrying. You're not waiting for a text on Sunday, being like, "I'll see you at nine o'clock uh, in, in the meeting tomorrow on Monday." So uh, we knew we, we had a few days to kind of let the hair down a little bit and uh, refresh and, and take the foot off the pedal before um, giving it a lot of work for for last weekend. Yeah, and it's been a nice few weeks for you, Jack. You got obviously man of the match against Ulster. In the Six Nations, you started against Italy. You came on really early in the Scotland game for Doris, scored that try in the corner off the Hanson pass, uh, came on against England, played really well in the closing stages there as well, got the offload off for the Sheehan try. Um, are you happy enough with your form over the last few weeks in particular? For me, I, I was pretty disappointed with how it went personally against Italy. I know uh, as a team, we weren't happy with how we uh, performed, but you know I saw that as an opportunity to go really well and kind of get back into uh, put my hand up for for starting against Scotland and things like that. And look, I didn't I didn't take that opportunity. So when I got the opportunity to come on early against um, Scotland, I was like, look, you know, mm-hmm. these are the the few points that I I took from my game against Italy that I needed to improve on or be better at. And I thought I I, I did that, you know, well enough in the Scotland game. So. Uh, I was delighted with that just to get a run at it. Obviously, you know, I felt for, for Kalen uh, picking up a knock uh, early on because he's gone so incredibly well in the three weeks and luckily he was able to bounce back for the England game. Um, but it was great just to kind of play such a big role in such a strange but yet fantastic game uh, in that Scotland match just with all the all the changes, all the kind of personnel that went down and, and the way we finished as a team. I think I look back over the last few weeks in green and that was kind of the game that stands out for me as just kind of being so galvanising and such a good test for us. Mm-hmm. I think if you fast forward a few months to the World Cup, that's the kind of thing that can happen when lads are backing up games and every game is must win and so important. It was it was a really special outing for us. Yeah. What's what's more enjoyable? I love watching those offloads. Doris did one against France as well on the opposite wing. But you're one to Sheen. Do you prefer the try or the offload? What's more exciting or enjoyable? Oh, I'd rather be getting the try, but it was uh <laughs> it was nice it was nice to you know, because you you're there was a kind of a a, a a certain palpable nerves around the England game, I think, with the 
probably added distraction of it being at home, it being Paddy's weekend, Grand Slam decider against England. You could feel a kind of nervous energy. Whereas for myself, because I was on the bench, I felt that bit more relaxed because you're thinking, I'm not, obviously last week I had my kind of, not my scare, but you're like, you're on after eight minutes where I'm like, realistically, that's not going to happen again. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> such, it's such yeah. a rarity yeah. in, in, in rugby that that happens. So I'm thinking, right, I'm not really going to get on here early. And then obviously not hoping that when the lads picks up a knock right like that. So, you know, it gets to kind of 45, 55 minutes. You can right, I need to, I need to be at my best when I get on. I'm going to only get a moment or two, if anything. And um, just to play even a small part in such a, a great game and such a kind of historic event, that was that to, to have made that offload, you know, it's something that will stay in me for the rest of my days. And um, yeah, just, you know, when I threw it, I just, I, I trusted that um, Denny, uh, Dan was there beside me. So I, I threw him and then, you know, I think Paulie pulled me up on, on the Sunday night. We were having a few drinks. He goes, I won't try to do his accent, but uh, he was, uh, did you watch your celebration when, when Chino got in the corner? And I was, you know, like, fist pumping like mad and stuff and I was like oh Polly, don't say that to me like, <laughs> I can't look back you know I had the, the celebration the, the one arm celebration walking away from the Scotland try in the moment you're like it's just pure euphoria or whatever and you're over the moon but then afterwards I'm like Jesus would I ever not do something so embarrassing and just kind of like pat the lads in the back whatever. I'm there like Dan scores in the corner I'm like just driving my fist into the air a few times yeah. I'm like I can't look that back but it's uh, hang on what's great just what, to, what, to, what to have a yeah, does Paul O'Connor want you to be like, you know, a, a soccer player from the 1930s? You know, you, you, everyone scores yeah. a try, shakes hand and walks back to the centre circle. Yeah. No, no, quite the opposite. Actually, Polly was loving it. He was like, I, I absolutely loved it. It was pure emotion for me and all this stuff. Oh, and I was like, oh, like we were having a few points at this stage. I was like, oh, geez, Polly, don't say that's going to give me the fear. I can't, I can't <laughs> even think of it, you know. Uh, so he, he was absolutely loving it because he was like, it was just raw emotion from you yeah. and to see how much it meant for you and stuff like that. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that no, was, it was a great moment. And, um, it's amazing to get those because this, in a lot of sports, you see players almost try to contain it too much. And I don't think it impacts performance. Maybe it does for some people. And, and maybe some players feel like they need to contain themselves. But certainly for fans or anybody watching, it's brilliant to see people celebrating. Absolutely. And, you know, we're in such a fortunate position to do what we love. And, um, you know, it's a great it's a great lifestyle. You get to go out with your mates and, I think that Ireland squad at the moment, the way it is, that the people that Faz and Paulie and Caddy and Fogs and stuff have brought together inside, like, unbelievable group of lads. Like, there really is such a kind of camaraderie and a closeness to the point I've never witnessed with any other team that I've been involved with. Um, and it's it's really special and it means so much to you. So, you know, when you have moments like that, it is, it's, it's worth embracing and celebrating because, you know, it won't be too long before we're all on the other side of it. So, you know, I think in those moments of celebrating, scoring those tries or throwing offloads, and it's just that's your your raw emotion, how you really feel about it. So I think it's probably a change from regimes of of, of past coaches where uh, they used to be called no no hot dogging was what it was called. So if you scored a try or did something, you weren't allowed to go too over the top. Yeah, yeah, I think we might know uh, the a particular coach you might be mentioning there, Jack. But just on the. I've heard a lot of people talk about it. every every player unprompted like you there talks about this spirit and all that kind of thing. Did the spirit come first and then the winning or does the spirit come from you win a load of matches together and of course everyone loves each other when, when you start winning Grand Slams and beating the All Blacks? Yeah, look, it, it goes hand in hand, doesn't it? Because it's easy to love camp when you're winning. You know, it's easy to, it's easier to enjoy the time you have with people and enjoy the time you have in camp when you're 
you know, one of the most successful Irish teams of all time. You go down and you beat New Zealand. Um, that's never been done in, in their uh, home soil. You know, you create these fantastic memories and stuff. So, yeah, it's a lot easier when you're winning. But I think the emphasis that the Faz and the coaching staff put on um, being yourself, being vulnerable, being a good bloke. Um, early on, uh, you know, two, three years ago when he first came in, um, allows for people just to relax a little bit. There's no kind of facades. There's no egos to it at all. So, you know, you can be yourself. You can comfortable around it. And I think, you know, enjoying yourself is hugely important in the environment. Fogs has his bit of crack on a our Tuesday morning or a Wednesday morning and we all get together and he comes up with some silly game and stuff. And it just kind of diffuses the tension at times because obviously, you know, you're prepping for these massive games and everyone cares so much. You you can't be that pent up about it the whole time. You can't be stressed and worried about it the whole time. So to have that bit of crack and just kind of release the pressure valve a little bit, I think it's hugely important. Important. I think the coaching staff in there has gotten that really, really um, finely tuned. You said vulnerable there. What does that mean, that you're, you're allowed to be vulnerable in the group? I think it's about having no assumptions. You know, um, if you, you know, it's, it's probably that old saying, you know, there are no stupid questions. So if you're in a team meeting and we're going through plays or we're, we're going through video of a past game and you're thinking, well, well, you know, you have a question to ask, you know, ask the question because more than likely there's probably someone else in the group, someone else in the environment thinking the exact same thing. So maybe they don't feel comfortable enough. Maybe they're newer to the environment, but they don't feel they have maybe the the weight behind their own voice or maybe they're just a bit more insular than someone else so they wouldn't want to come forward and say, oh, actually, Faz, I'm just wondering, you know, should I do this here? Should I do that? And, you know, you, you can put a lot of other lads' minds at ease by asking one question that someone else might think is really obvious and not necessary to ask. But um, I think it's that kind of buy-in that lads are vulnerable enough to say, look, I actually don't know mm. what the right thing is here to do. And then, you know, if you've got so much experience in the room, you know, you've if it was one of the backs, you've got Johnny and, and, and Murray and stuff and lads of 100 tests and, you know, they've done it all, seen it all. So don't be afraid to ask the question. Be vulnerable, be be open, be willing to learn, be willing to help other people out as well. You know, if you if you have a kind of a, a, a coaching cue of your own to share with one of your teammates, do it, you know, and, and even if, you know, I'm looking at something like, oh, I, you know, in this passage of play, I wanted you to do this and you're thinking this, you know, if, if you're the person who's been told maybe you got that wrong, be okay with it, be, be selfless enough to know that it's for the better good of the entire environment and for the team. So not to have an ego about it and think, oh, Jesus, he's coming at me here and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So um, I think it, it's massively important for the growth of an organisation. The last time we talked to you, Jack, was when you were picked on the Lions squad, uh, which was obviously a huge moment for you. Fair to say you grasped that opportunity really well. You went over, you started all three tests. How much of that impact your view of your own abilities and, and your sort of status within the game? Yeah, like I, as I said to you, you know, two years ago, I was I was shocked to get picked. You know, I was I didn't think I was ever really going to Obviously, I wanted and I, I, I hoped and I dreamt of it, but I never really thought it was going to happen. So when I got that opportunity, I you know, I said to myself, day one, I'm going to take this and I'm going to run with it and be the best version of myself. And, um, you know, I was really pleased with, with how I went personally over there. But obviously, the 
results didn't didn't show um, fully. You know, I, I think I've I've had a bit of a strange kind of season last year. I, I you know, my by my own admission, I, I wasn't at the level that I should have been for for reasons outside rugby, um, probably more than anything else. But um, you know, I've, I feel like I've bounced back well in the last few weeks in particular, and it's just you know, I finished the tour and I went on. I played the first few games in that November internationals in in, in uh, twenty one and. Picked up a knock against Argentina, didn't play, and then came into Christmas time. Wales started, France played, then dropped, and then I'm back. And um, I I went through a bit of an up and down time, but uh, I think I I always I'll always back myself, uh, even if even if um, my performances haven't been at the right level. Um, I know I always know there's more in me. I always know I can do more and be better for it. And I think going on that line sort just kind of solidified my own thoughts that you know you were well able for the for the top level of rugby and and you should never have any doubts about it and I think doubts are obviously something that creeps in when performances kind of waver a little bit but just to stay true to task and 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 keep on pushing yourself and I know if uh if I'm working hard I know it'll come back around for me that up and down time you mentioned, Jack, just you said for reasons outside of rugby, is that something that you're comfortable going into in a chat here? Yeah, well, I, I won't go into t- too much uh, detail about it, but I, um, I, I, I was struggling with energy a lot post post kind of Christmas of uh, twenty one, and um, I, I knew I, I, you know, I played that Six Nations, and I just knew something wasn't right, um, physically, medically, and and um, it was like that for months, good, good few months, and I just I, I couldn't I couldn't train as hard as I wanted. I couldn't perform at the level I wanted, and um, you know I, I ended up getting a, a series of tests on, and and um, after about four or five months, they they kind of found uh, uh, a, a certain abnormality um, right. in some regard, and uh, it's it's been rectified now. It took it took a few months even post that to kind of things energy level to come back. Uh, to the point where I felt like I was myself again, you know, for a long time there I didn't. So, and, uh, you know, I, now I'm, I kind of, I, it's, it's something I held with me for a long, long time and I, I couldn't let go of it because every game, every training session, all I was thinking about was how am I going to feel? How tired am I going to be? And um, I kind of did a bit of work with Gary Keegan, Keegan in, in, in Irish camp and I sat down and, you know, the, the coaching staff in Ireland and Leinster fully aware of these um you know of this event and things so um i you know he i sat down with him one day and he was like you need to let it go Do you know what I mean? you need to forgive yourself for not being at the level you wanted to be at you know that's in the past now you need to release it and and um it took me a while but it did and i, I feel like I'm, I'm better for it and uh you know the last few weeks it's probably the best rugby I've played in a long, long time. And I was, you know, to have that cameo off the bench for Scotland, I, that was the first game that I was playing. And I was like, I feel like myself. I feel like me again. And uh, it was just huge mentally for me. It really was. It was, it was, it was a massive release. Um, and, and I'm just enjoying it more. You know, I'm enjoying it more the last few weeks uh, because I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm back, you know, and I, I feel like I, was probably counted out there for a while, but uh, right. I feel like I've bounced back all right. 
Oh yeah, well listen, it's great to hear that you got to to, to the bottom of where, whatever that is and I, I guess it must have been such a relief just to get whatever diagnosis it was because so, obviously whatever is happening, when you don't know why it's happening, it's probably the scariest part. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and that was that was it because I got a few certain blood tests done and, and it didn't, no, nothing showed up and then, uh, you know, subsequently I, I picked up a, 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 an injury and then I ended up getting more done and then it finally came up and it was the not knowing that was killing me because I, a bit in my head was like, do I just have long COVID here? You know what I mean? I COVID over the Christmas pre- previously leading up to November 22. So, no, oh, sorry, um, Six Nations 22. Yeah. I was like, do I just have long COVID here? Am I just struggling because of that? And um, I'm sure that probably didn't help, but, uh, you know, it turned out to be something else. And I got a lot of, um, a lot of uh, peace when I, when I finally found out what it was and, um, that was the, kind of the start of the journey about getting back to, to, to who I am and, and the player that I am. Would you say you're 100% now, Jax, physically and psychologically? Because it sounds, sounds like it knocked you for a while. I, it definitely it, it, it knocked, it knocked me for a long time. Um, yeah, I'd say I'm... I'm I don't know, you, you know you, you're always you know comparing things and... You know, I don't remember how tired I was in certain games or how shagged you were in you know the 60th minute of a game and things like that but I, I definitely feel like I'm 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 I'm, I'm better do you know what I mean a lot, a lot better than I was um, not not that I was sick with it do you know what I mean I wasn't like that but it was effective, It was enough to affect my performance and, and kind of my day to day training and things like that but um, yeah I, I'm definitely mentally I'm I'm, I'm back I, I, I feel like the the building blocks of that have been the performance for the last performances for the last few weeks. Um, that's the the bit that's kind of if I can stack those performances together, and I'm just getting better each each time. And obviously, look, there's going to be moments where you know I'm not 100, I'm not you know man of the match, or I'm not yeah. you know I haven't made 20 carries for 100 meters or something like that, and that's fine, and I'll be okay with that. But once I'm feeling good when I'm playing. Then I'm happy because I know I'll be able to put myself about and put myself in the right positions. Do you feel almost by thinking less about your energy issues that your energy started to come back? Absolutely, hundred um, percent. Because for and for that stage, so much of my mental prep for a week was hoping that I was going to feel one hundred percent, hoping that my energy was going to be one hundred percent. So you know, my detail around. Like my, my my detail of the game wasn't um, bad. Like I'm always nailed on with my roles and everything like that, and none of that changed. But maybe in the moments when you're out in the pitch, in, instead of thinking to myself, "Can I curse here?" Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I, I'm not thinking to myself, "Jeez, I'm absolutely fucked here." Like, you know what I mean? I'm, mm. I'm not. I'm, I'm not getting up the ground, being like, "Fuck me!" I, I need to get off. The, I need to get off this pitch. I can't do it. I'm, I'm shagged and things like that. So. Um, I'm, I'm able to just think about the next moment, my next role, and not have that kind of internal dialogue of "you're tired, you're really fatigued here," you, you know, that kind of kind of negative narrative that went on in the back of my head for, for so long. And um, obviously, if you constantly negatively reinforce thoughts in your head, more often than not, they are the thoughts that first came to my mind. So even when I started to feel better. It was. It, it took me a while to tra- transition from that kind of negative self-talk to a more kind of focused in the moment, 
um, mindful approach to playing the game instead of kind of just being in the back of my head a lot. Gary Keegan seems to be amazing. Like I've heard such praise from nearly all the players in the squad that we've heard talk about him. But what specifically do you think about him or that chat with him helped you unlock it? Yeah, well, firstly, you know, Gary, I think, is someone who came in at a great time uh, for Irish rugby, and I think he's added a lot. He doesn't speak too often. He's always available. He'll always throw a message into the WhatsApp group or something like that, being like, lads, if anyone wants a one-on-one this evening, pick me up, you know, text me, let me know. So he's always available as a resource to use. Um, but he's, uh, I, I loved my, my, you know, my, my few encounters with Gary um, to just help frame my mindset for a game, to yeah, kind of declutter my mind, to, you know, keep the main thing the main thing. And I think with rugby, with Ireland and with Lancer, there's, you can get so caught up in minute details of things of, uh, your exact role and exact moments and what you need to do when you see a certain picture. You need to trust your training to allow yourself for that, for a lot of it to be habitual, for a lot of it to be just the practice that you've put in over the months, the years, the weeks, or whatever it is. Um, so certain things don't need a whole lot of mental prep for. So I, I found Gary great for just narrowing my focus and that's something we spoke a lot over especially the last two weeks of the the campaign and with Ireland because that Italy week I I felt myself that I was trying to worry about all of my little roles the whole time and instead of having a real narrow view I had this really wide view of the entire game so yeah. my focus wasn't specific on certain things it was it was kind of blurred and, and, and focusing on too many things. So I think he's he's been great for someone who, for, for me personally and for the squad. You know, I think he's someone who who grasps the mood of the squad and speaks to them. You know, we probably have a, a, a few meetings with him a week or things like that. And he, he's great at just helping lads narrow the focus and 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 put in those building blocks mentally for the for the week ahead for the game. Um, for your training sessions and things like that. So uh, he's added massive amount of value uh, in, in, in the short amount of time he's been with the squad. Were you reluctant at all to tell your coaches or your teammates about those issues you were having? Because I could imagine thinking, geez, especially with the competition for places in Leinster and Ireland, I don't really want to be telling people that I'm I'm low on energy here. Yeah, I, I definitely wasn't at the start because, you know, I went into that 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 um, Six Nations in 22 and, even though I hadn't been feeling great leading up to it, you know, I, I'd gone from starting two out of the three, I was due to start three out of the three games in the November past. And I was like, right, I, I'm not, this is my first real crack at international rugby, really. Because a lot of the time, you know, I, you know, I got capped in 2015. I didn't get my next cap to 2017. I had a few caps there. I got captain. I was went to the World Cup in 2019. And then I didn't play to 2021, you know. So I've had long enough periods out of the game where I was like, I'm not letting this opportunity slip by, which ultimately was the wrong mindset because my my performance is being affected. So I should have spoke up. I should have yeah. been able to speak up. And not due to anyone else's fault. It was purely myself. I should have I, I should have gone and, and, and done something earlier about it instead of letting it affect my performance, you know. Um but still, at that stage, I just thought it was long COVID or something like that. You know what mm. I mean? So, um, yeah, I, I just wanted to, I wanted to seize the opportunity ahead of me, and I, uh, I just wasn't able to. 
And you're pretty confident now. This is manageable at this point. You seem to be be confident that you're on top of whatever. Yeah, it is. It's, okay. it's, it, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It's put to bed at this stage. Um, it's um, it, it's done and dealt with. And uh, I, you know, I've had enough adversity throughout, adversity throughout the years, injury wise and stuff like this. But but this was something different altogether. Um, you know, with an injury, you rehab it and you you fix the problem, and then it's fine. Where this was, you know, ongoing and and. Uh, an everyday kind of uh, an every, everyday thing that affected my performances. So, uh, yeah, luckily now happy to work through, you know, the doctors in Leinster, you know, John Ryan, the doctor, uh, sorry, John Ryan, the doctor in Leinster, the, the doc, uh, Ken Cosgrave in, in Ireland, the physios um, in uh, Leinster have been able to put to bed and uh, it's, it's, it's thankfully by me. It, it's shown on the pitch, I have to say, Jack, and, when you've come through the other side, horrible as it is to go through, when you've come through the other side of that thing, it's not like a normal injury, it's not like a loss of form or the other things that happen in the normal run of rugby. Uh, if you get through it, you must kind of feel extra resilient. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I always I always would have thought I was resilient anyway because I wouldn't say it's always been easy for me, you know, and, and it's not easy for a lot of lads, you know, it, it never is. Just the, the highs and lows of the game affect everyone. Um, so, I always would have thought I was I was fairly resilient, but this is was definitely a, a, a different a different level of a test uh, for my kind of my own mental strength. And um, yeah, I, I feel I wouldn't say I feel better for it. I would like to have not gone through it, but yeah. uh, I, I'm here now. I'm, I'm you know I've been so fortunate that I, I I've played as much as I have in the last kind of two years, and um, it's uh, it's just good to have behind me and and to feel like I can perform again and, and I think the last three weeks the last three games in particular have shown that Absolutely Jack I tell you we, we, we never really know what you're not what's going, behind, what's going on behind the scenes and going on in all the lives of you lads so we do appreciate you talking to us about that and listen uh, keep going with the great season you're having thanks so much for chatting to us today uh, Thanks William thanks for having me most sports nutrition experts would argue that the, the fueling begins, but the most important element of it is the day before, particularly the night before. So if you could yeah. take us through your routine. To win the Premier League is a war on nutrition. Okay, well, the night before I had a, I had sort of a chicken salad. Yeah, perfect. Lovely, perfect. I put a bit of pesto on. I mean, oh, I put okay. half a jar. Of That's pesto too much on. pesto, but it's not the end of the world. <laughs> and I actually bulked up that chicken salad with a bit of Israeli couscous. We're still okay. We're still in the realms of pretty good nutrition, I would say, the day before a race. I had uh, two beers. It's the best thing in the world for you because it's full of protein. Um, okay, not ideal, but not the end of the world. I had a small Pringles. You know the Ritter, Ritter Sport Bars? I hadn't seen cornflake one before. Nobody had any soup to start with, nobody had any puddings to finish with. They had fish and chips. Okay, I had a whiskey and Coke. No, no, come on, <laughs> not great, not great. Not after the beers. Uh, well, it was a whiskey and Coke zero. You know, you probably know what direction I was thinking. You could have one drink, no more, and then you're back to the hotel and you're off to bed. Then I was thinking, what will I have? Ah, you know what? You know, I'll have a cup of tea. Okay. Uh, Perfect. I had tea. Then I had a few digestive biscuits. Well, there was a suggestion that there was sort of an all-you-can-eat sort of a thing going on. I wasn't counting them. I wasn't counting them. They were like buns to an elephant. I was just hoovering them up. And then just before I went to bed, I had a slice of toast with Nutella. No! It was whole grain. It was whole grain bread. (laughs) The Six Nations continues, Simon, the women's Six Nations. Mm. And it's a... 
Jesus, so far, slog for Ireland. Yeah. 50, well, 53-3 beaten by France. They were, they were never going to compete and it's not, yeah. know, it's one of these weird things. I don't know how you, you even analyse, I, f- I find people are struggling to analyse these games Completely. as one-offs because the structural problems are just so much deeper mm. than an, an individual game that everybody knows going in is going to be a heavy defeat <laughs> one way. And the whole competition's like that. You know, every game, the result is fairly predictable. Besides England, France. It's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's tricky when the result, the scoreline... And even how the scoreline will come about is so predictable. And not just sort of from week to week or short term. You know, you could have said 12 months ago, this would be the scoreline and you, you kind of get within 10 points of where it might be, irrespective of whether Sevens players were, were coming in and out. And it's been, it's been coming a long time and it's going to take a long time to improve. And in the meantime, the, the games, like ha- trying to hammer the coach or some of the players, it feels kind of pointless, doesn't it? Mm. Because the gap is so big. Like, say you had a mastermind of a coaching performance against France. There might be 10 points less in the difference between it. You know, say, you know, some brilliant coach took over um, at the top of the game and just put together the best game plan this Irish squad could ever put together. You, you, it'd still be 40 points in it. Yeah. That's the difference between the, the talent of player. So it's I, I don't see a change in this year or next year. Maybe incrementally, but nothing that makes the result in doubt. Okay, we've loads of great stuff coming up later on. That doesn't really tee up the rest of the Six Nations too well from an Irish point of view, but uh, what, what can you do? Mm, well, the Scotland game is potentially winnable. Okay, Even Italy is starting to look unwinnable for Ireland. That's how bad it is, yeah. Right, we've got a lot coming up during the week. Uh, the GA, as I mentioned earlier on, there's a lot of football on. Ken has tentatively predicted an Everton victory against Spurs tonight from our other podcast today. Did you really predict that or did I just put I those think I did. Room? I think I ended up predicting it. Going Everton I predicted win. an Everton win by mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Thanks, Ken. Thank you. Um, thanks, thanks, Owen. Thanks, Ken. Karen. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, <laughs> oh! <laughs> I'm sorry, Simon. Thank you, Simon. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget the Second Happens podcast is part of the ACAST Creator Network. To stop hearing the ads during the show, you can sign up now to to the World Service on secondcaptains.com. Thanks again. What is that? It's the second time it's gone off. They never got home. They never got home. They never got home, those boys. It is not war and death and famine. It's not that at all. It's the opposite of that. It's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sports is important. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. 
Visit ebay.com for terms.